You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry, turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper, it only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear, Though you look for them, they will be gone. The lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the godly. They snarl at them in defiance. But the Lord just laughs, for he sees their day of judgment coming. The wicked draw their swords and string their bows to kill the poor and the oppressed, to slaughter those who do right. But their swords will stab their own hearts and their bows will be broken. It is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich, for the strength of the wicked will be shattered, but the Lord takes care of the godly. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough, but the wicked will die. The Lord's enemies are like flowers in a field. They will disappear like smoke. The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Those the Lord blesses will possess the land, but those he curses will die. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young, and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. The godly always give generous loans to others, and their children are a blessing. Turn from evil and do good, and you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice, and he will never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever, but the children of the wicked will die. The godly will possess the land and will live there forever. The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. They have made God's law their own, so they will never slip from his path. The wicked wait in ambush for the godly, looking for an excuse to kill them. But the Lord will not let the wicked succeed or let the godly be condemned when they are put on trial. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. I have seen wicked and ruthless people flourishing like tree in its native soil. But when I looked again, they were gone. Though I searched for them, I could not find them. Look at those who are honest and good, for a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. But the rebellious will be destroyed. They have no future. The Lord rescues the godly. 
He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in Him. Good morning. I'm Pastor Bob, and my favorite of Psalm's greatest hits is this week's because it really captures the, the tone, the essence, the happiness, the joy of Psalm 37 in the midst of trouble. And wouldn't you know that the lead singer in this particular song this week is the same guy that stars in the VBS video, and he's really also great at taking selfies. It's just nothing that Taylor likes cannot do well. So this, <laughs> Taylor and his mother agree. The psalm kind of reminds me a little bit of that jingle that was really popular about 15 or 20 years ago, don't worry, be happy. It's the only words I remember <laughs> in that song. I know there's a lot of, <laughs> and if I keep doing that, you're going to go, oh, 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 I'm done, <laughs> promise. <laughs> But it's a, there's a happiness, there is a joy in the midst of all that's going on. And if you don't remember anything about what I'm talking about today, I hope to remember that. And it comes right along what Jesus is saying when he says, In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have problems. In this world, you will have pressure. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so we're going to look at just the first six verses or so of the wisdom of King David, who writes this psalm as an old man. And as we look at his wisdom, as we look at what he has to say to us, he's speaking to people who are fretting. He's, he's talking to people very much like in our culture today, where we have a fearful culture, we have an angry culture. We have a culture that's got lots of stuff going wrong. And the only way I know to deal with it personally and not lose my joy is to do exactly what King David says. And that is to not to don't worry, be happy, but don't worry, trust God. Delight in the Lord. Let's look at those first couple of verses. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like the spring flowers, they soon wither. This psalm is not saying just dismiss the wrongdoing. It's not saying uh, just take a vacation and don't let anything concern you. That's not the message of Psalm 37. There's a lot of things that are wrong with this world. We know this. We know there's not, it's not right, it's not good, there's something's amok, seriously. When children are separated from their families, whether they're the children of immigrants, or whether it's happening in our own town. You know, one of the things that really weighs me down, that really can sink me into this deep depression, if I'm not careful, is not just episodic things that's happening at the border, but it's like 27 million people 
are victims of human trafficking in this world. That's not an episode. That is a chronic deal. So, there are, man, there are crazy, awful, horrific things happening in our world. And what I'm hearing, what I'm sensing, King David saying is, don't ever forget. Don't you ever forget that there is a righteous judge. There is a God from eternity's perspective that laughs at wrongdoing. Not that God makes light of these things, but God is not frantic. God is not worried. God is not fearful. Nor do we need to be as well. There's a serenity prayer that St. Francis wrote years ago. When I was young, old people would quote this to me and it would really frustrate me. But now I see the wisdom of it more and more. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. And that to me is an invitation to focus. To focus on what I can do something about. Um, So I want to ask you the question this morning. What's keeping you up at night? What are you worried about? What's robbing you of joy? How is God inviting you to invite him to come into the midst of all that? How is God calling you to bring focus into your life, into what's going wrong, and all the things you worry about. Sometimes it's not what's wrong with the world, but it's what's wrong with our world. There's things that weigh us down heavily. There's burdens in the room this morning. I googled this week the top 10 stressors in our culture today in America. Number one is childhood trauma. Number two is the death of a loved one. Number three is divorce. Number four is finance. Number five is jobs. Number six is health related. Number six is personal relationships. Number eight is chronically ill children. Number nine is pregnancy and number 10 is being in danger. And I rattled this off not to say we need to remember the top 10 stressors, but just to remember that probably most of us in this room can relate to one of those things right now. And what God's invitation is, don't worry, trust me. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray in everything and it begins to bring a sense of peace and a sense of focus and serenity in the midst of all that's going on now the words continue in verses three and four where here to me is the essence of of what the psalm is really saying trust in the lord and do good then you will Live safely in the land and prosper. 
Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Let's leave those words up there just for a moment. This is not an invitation to trust God and do nothing. This is not an invitation to don't worry so you don't do anything. But this is a wonderful invitation. Trust the Lord and do good. So this to me goes back to the serenity prayer. What is the good God that you are calling me to do? Because worrying and fretting and being frozen about all this other stuff doesn't do anybody any good. Worry never helped anybody. But what's the good, Lord, as I trust in you? What is the good that I sense you are giving me the desire to do? This is one of the things I'm so enraptured about in terms of Puerto Rico. And I didn't really see it coming. That I met P- Pastor Alex and Pastor Lucas. And uh, Pastor Lucas Endicott was on staff here at Schweitzer for three years, uh, a great guy. He now is a mission strategist for the Missouri Methodist in, in this conference. So he's, he's a personal friend, good guy. But meeting Pastor Alex, just God just did something to me. Here's a 37-year-old guy. He was a school teacher. He grew up in this island that now had a hospital and now doesn't have a hospital. He's become the pastor of his home church. He has, he's a husband. He has children. Hurricane Maria has savaged, ravaged the island since last September. They're on generators. There's no medical access. <laughs> There's all kinds of problems. The roof has been blown off of his building. And this guy has joy. In all the mission trips that I've taken, one of the things that's really caught my spirit and my heart is that the people who have the least in this world the poorest of the poor, not in the United States, but the poorest of the poor in various places and most places in the world. These people of faith, they have a joy. They have a trust that, that I don't have. And just being in Pastor Alex's presence and listening to his stories and having dinner with him and just just captivated me. And so, you know, I, I, I have to pray for them, and, and, and I, ha- I have to give to this, and, and I have to go personally as I'm going July 30th. And it's not that you have to. It's just that I have to because I want to, because God got a hold of my spirit and my heart. I, I cannot not do this. And in the same way, When we trust in the Lord, we're going to do good because we really believe that God is good. We we believe that God is just. We believe that God is loving. We believe that God is, is, is up to something in this world. We believe that there's more things that happen because we pray and we give and we do than this world can begin to dream of. And we, we just believe in the goodness of God. And so when we really trust in the goodness of God, guess what? We do good things. And what we are enabled to do then is just to, to do whatever God wants us to do. And it's not about people-pleasing. It's not about, uh, you know, the wisdom of this world, you know, says, you know, the secret to happiness is to stop pleasing people and start pleasing yourself. And there's value to that. But it doesn't go far enough. 
Godly wisdom says, stop pleasing people and yourself. But when we get, I mean, when we get into this sweet spot where we're pleasing God, we find true happiness. When I was a sixth grader, I remember being on the elementary uh, uh, school uh, in Livonia, Missouri, a small, small school, and these parents drove up in the car, and they stopped me and said, hey, kid, I want you to tell your teacher something, okay? And so I gave the message to my teacher, and I remember my sixth grade teacher responding, okay, thank you, but the next time they do that, you tell them to paddle their own canoe. <laughs> Always remember that. Great advice for a sixth grader and anybody else because do you all have this problem too? That there are people that will lay agendas on you and expectations on you and guilt on you where they expect you to do things and respond in certain ways and sometimes it's voices of people from the grave. I mean, it is there. And the people pleaser in me can rise up and I can be doing things and taking on things that I am never called to do. And I get frustrated myself. I get frustrated at people. I get frustrated at God. And God says to me, I never asked you to do that in the first place. <laughs> so to me, the, the, the wonder of this psalm is to trust God and to delight in God. And when I delight in God... I'm enjoying his presence. It's not like we're interacting all the time. It's kind of like being in the presence of someone you love and you enjoy hanging out with. You don't have to interact all the time, but you're just always in his presence. I think this is what the invitation of this psalm is. We can delight in, we can be in the presence of God and we can live from that. And we can trust the desires of our heart because we are in the presence of someone that's very, very good. And so... I just want to invite you that don't do anything out of guilt or don't do things because someone says you should or, or you ought to or because you, you just got to frankly try to give yourself to so many different causes. But take up the cause and the good thing that God is putting on your heart, that God is inviting you to join him into this world and do it. Go do that. As Frederick Beatner said, it's where your gifts and your passion intersect with the needs of the world that's the point in which you do your ministry or you do your good live out of that sweet spot and just watch yourself come alive and watch God come alive in you and the promise of scripture is that when we do this when we commit everything to him we live in this pasture we live in this land not necessarily a literal land but the kingdom land that's right in our hearts and our spirits. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Just leave that up there for a moment. Sometimes it doesn't happen at our timeline. Sometimes it's really hard to trust and to believe that, but Man, there are so many things that God has done in my life and in this church and in other people's lives I know. God is so faithful. 
and there is amazing fruit that happens. And it just, it's a vindication of a just and good and cause when God is in it and you're right in the middle of it. There's no greater joy. There's no greater happiness. There's no greater purpose in life than that. I want to uh, show you a, a photo of uh, my grandson and I playing baseball. It's really a wiffle ball, but you get the idea. Now, uh, Oren's four years of age, just turned four. He, he comes over, and we have sleepovers. And to watch him pitch is riot <laughs> because he doesn't have a clue how to wind up. And he starts off on the wrong foot. But, but when he's pitching, I mean, after about a minute of winding up, he, he tosses the ball. And this picture is a, is a picture, of course, of the ball in the air. And I shared this with some friends and my twin brother, and they had the audacity to respond, but did you really hit the ball, you know? <laughs> but then when Orrin bats and, and I throw the pitch, we don't do t-ball. T-ball is not really baseball. They didn't have t-ball when I was a kid. We don't mess with t-ball. We throw the ball. And sure, he misses it nine times out of ten. But when he hits the ball and he runs around the bases, he hits, the other night, Tuesday night, he hit two balls over the fence. They were foul balls. They weren't very far, but he hit them over the fence. And I did something I hadn't done since I was a kid. I walked over to the neighbor's house, knocked on the front door. Excuse me. Uh, we were playing baseball, and we, we hit the ball into your yard. Can we go get it? And, yeah, my grandson here, he, he hit the ball over the fence. <laughs> you know, I don't think I've ever had so much fun playing ball since I was a kid. And that, to me, says something about delight and joy, really enjoying God. And as I was enjoying Orrin enjoying me, and Orrin was enjoying me enjoying him, I just wasn't sure, but I thought God whispered something into my ear. And I think what God whispered, enjoy me, Bob, enjoying you. What does it mean to be in the presence of God? It's to really delight in God. And so whatever's going wrong in the world, whatever you're carrying in your heart and your spirit, there's a presence. There's a joy. There's a strength. There's a trust. There's a delight that we are called to live into. It's the very presence of God. So I want to invite you, when you get on your car today, <laughs> as the band is coming, I want to invite you to go to Psalms Greatest Hits. I want to invite you to listen to that great, fun song rendition of Psalm 37. And I want to invite you to accept Jesus' invitation for you today 
to trust him. Don't worry, but trust him. And one more thing. I've always wanted to say this in church. Play ball! 